This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Friday, June 30th. Mixture of sun and cloud today. There is a slight chance of a shower this morning and moving into the afternoon, a high of 25. And of course, smoke once again is a part of the forecast. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, smoke making a return to southern Ontario. Number two, that mystery girl has been identified a year after her body was discovered. Number three, the son of Barry and Honey Sherman will build an arena in their memory. Number four, a survey finds Canadians not terribly warm to electric cars. And number five, beloved sex educator Sue Johansson dies at the age of 93. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, there's a start to your day. Perhaps you are having some sweet dreams. 5.08 is the time on this Friday, June 30th, on the brink of a long weekend, but it already is a Friday, so I don't think it's too early uh, to declare this. Uh, Nick Marano, it is indeed a sweet, sweet Friday. It's a sweet, sweet Friday! Thank you. Thank you very much. Although it's uh, probably a bit more of a smoky Friday, certainly when I stepped out of the house this morning, there, there are times when there's either fog, and these days smoke is becoming part of the reality, where I am put to mind of scenes from The Exorcist, where quite famously there were a lot of outdoor shots where streetlights were coming through fire or smoke or fog. And that's kind of the thought I had this morning when I stepped outside. Couldn't really smell it all that much. I don't know, Nick, if you were were smelling the smoke, but it's definitely visible all over again. It is, and uh, I suspect it'll probably get a little bit worse as the day wears on. Super. Um, so, yeah, I've got nothing special to add to this, except that it seems to be becoming a part of our reality. And as I was observing earlier in the week, I have a... I don't know. I just find myself thinking, do we have to live in a permanent state of catastrophe at all times? It's either COVID, economic ruin, high interest rates, smoke from forest fires. Um, I think that's the end at the moment of all the catastrophic things that are preoccupying us these days. But um, yeah, there's, there's smoke out there again. And you can always drop us a text at 71010 because yesterday, for example, we were noticing that certainly in the city of Toronto itself, the smoke wasn't that big a deal. But I was hearing from other people saying, oh, no, you've got a new market. It's uh, awful. So we'll find out as the morning continues. What a horrible, tragic, mysterious story. And there's a level of malevolence to this death of a girl whose body was thrown into a dumpster as well. But she was identified yesterday by, and I always reflect on how fortunate we are to have some of the specialists at Toronto Police Service, but Hank Insignia in particular, who's been heading up the homicide squad for a good long time. He was the point man yesterday. And we still don't know exactly how this girl was identified, but we she has a name now at the very least, uh, Navia Tucker. She was four years old. Here's Siobhan Morris's report. A name for a girl whose tiny features were sketched by a police artist to help solve a mystery. Her remains found wrapped in blankets left in a dumpster in Rosedale last May. Thanks to a tip 
from the community and some great work by investigators and the Center of Forensic Sciences, I can now identify this little girl as Navia Tucker of Toronto. Navia was never reported missing. We believe that Navia died in 2021. She would have been just shy of her fifth birthday when her body was placed in the dumpster. No charges have been laid. There's still no answer about why Navia's life ended so early. It's definitely in our minds uh, that this could still potentially become a homicide case. In the neighborhood where the remains were found, there's relief and confusion. Obviously a lot of questions. Uh, haven't heard much follow-up since like the initial incident. It's just so, so sad. There's so much stuff going on in the city and everywhere that's just so sad. It troubles me to think that a child could go missing without someone reporting it. You know, if my kid, my dog goes missing, I would completely lose my mind, so let alone any of my children. Nzinga won't say much about what investigators know about who was taking care of Navia before her death. We notified her, uh, her mother uh, just today and uh, I won't comment on the status of her mother in our investigation. Nzinga says investigators will keep working hard to figure out how Navia died and why. We're optimistic. I don't know that we'll ever get there, though. A story that may be left untold. Now that Navia has been identified, there are questions about what happens to her remains. Inspector Hank Nzinga says police will be speaking with her extended family over the coming weeks to come to a decision. That is Siobhan Morris reporting for CTV and just so many unanswered questions in all of that. Uh, for one thing, the means of death is not known. The exact timing of death is not known. But the bigger question would have to be, how does a four-year-old girl disappear and nobody notices? You know, it's like she didn't show up at daycare, didn't show up at school. She did. She was who was looking after her? I mean, when I hear in that report from Siobhan Morris about how police informed her mother yesterday, how did that go? You know, you answer your front door, you were the mother of a girl who's been gone for two years, and police say, oh, by the way, we just figured out that um, the, your daughter was, uh, is dead and her body has gone unclaimed for a year. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, that's very good. So I, I really hope that one day a lot of these questions are are answered. You know, was was the daughter in the custody of somebody else altogether? Did her, you know, does her, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know the circumstances under which a four going on five year old girl goes missing, body is discovered, and nobody steps forward and says, oh my goodness, I know who this is. I, I, I don't know what happened, but I know who this is. Uh, but, you know, hopefully Toronto Police Service will continue to investigate and perhaps one day answer some of these questions. Olivia Chow has named her chief of staff. And no, I have no idea who this person is. Joe Christiana, you spend more time interfacing with uh, all of the handlers and, uh, and, you know, bag carriers for politicians. Uh, is this person a mystery to you? It, not a mystery, but not someone I have actually worked with. I've worked with a lot of people in the NDP and on Olivia Chow's campaign, but not this person in particular. Mikhail Hay 
is the new chief of staff, uh, Olivia Chow, naming that individual yesterday. Also, also sending a letter to the deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey, and city manager, Paul Johnson, saying that she wants a special early meeting of the executive committee in August because she wants to get busy on a whole bunch of uh, things. I mean, honestly, you got to hit the ground running, right? I mean, John Tory was reelected in October resigned in February. Then we end up with the election and a caretaker government. Now we have a new mayor and that mayor's got to get busy because we got stuff to do. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Number five, beloved sex educator Sue Johansson dies at the age of 93. And passing away at the age of 93, I don't, don't know that we can necessarily say she was stolen away too soon, but it's uh, sad to see Sue Johansson pass away. I was observing on Twitter yesterday that there there was a a passel of Toronto media figures who I decided I should get to know when I first moved to Toronto in 2003. And I figured, you know, they were beloved broadcasters and maybe if I knew more about them, I'd know more about how to do better radio. And so Sue Johansson, Jeannie Becker, Andy Barry, um, you know, then there's all kinds of legendary figures at News Talk 1010, some of whom were still with us at the time when I got here. But Sue Johansson was one of them. And she was, it's funny, I used the word adorable yesterday when I was paying tribute to her. And somebody said, adorable? No, she was flinty. But no, no, she was also adorable. I mean, she was like your grandma. And she was, let's face it, sort of the Canadian Dr. Ruth Westheimer, somebody who talked very, very frankly about sex and did it in the media, made it okay for people to talk about sex and to talk about all aspects of it. And we don't need to dig all that deep into it at this hour or, or any other because Sue did the, uh, did the difficult work on that file many, many years ago. Now, we do have, let's reserve this for the early hours, perhaps, Nick. I was listening to a replay of Jim Richards because uh, Richard Krause, I think, was in for Jim Richards last night. And he played a clip and I thought, good grief, that is the dirtiest thing I have heard on radio in a long time. It made you blush on the radio, didn't it? It did. But, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. Um, but here is a slightly less, um, you know, R-rated version of highlights of uh, Dr. Sue. Hello and welcome to Talk Sex. I'm your host, Sue Johansson, and my mission in life is to promote sex education, to dispel myths and misconceptions so you can enjoy being the sexual human being that you were born to be. I am six months pregnant and I've heard that if you have sex that the penis can hit the baby's head. No. No. Me and my girlfriend were wondering if having sex in a hot tub um, is a good idea or not. Not. You need to be cloned so that you can, like, teach everybody in the world. (laughs) I think there are people out there who think one of me is one too many. (laughs) There she is. Uh, She was always generous and kind and funny, and she was probably instrumental to who knows you know, untold numbers of people finding a degree of satisfaction in their lives that they might not have otherwise had. And I've often observed that every city has these figures who are 
a part of our our public life. And, you know, in Toronto, we had a, a previous generation who are gone now, but there was Honest Ed, there was Sam the Record Man. Um, you know, now we have people like Tom Mahalik who are part of our public personality. And we certainly had Sue Johansson as well. And there's a, a funny connection, aside from the fact that when I got to Toronto, I looked up Sue Johansson and spent some time with her. But when I was in the early years of my radio career, I was the editor for Dr. Ruth Westheimer for Canada. And back in the day, um, a network show would be shipped on reel-to-reel -reel tape, and it was this thing called Mylar, which is effectively the um, sort of stringy, it's like uh, tinsel on a Christmas tree, except that it's actually, it's reel-to-reel -reel tape, but it's thin, it's disposable, and uh, lightweight, so they could, uh, they would record a show, and then they'd uh, throw it into the courier service. And so I would get these reels of Dr. Ruth, and my job was to edit out the stuff that was considered a little too saucy for Canada. But I was always aware at the time, while I was listening to Dr. Ruth talk about everything, um, that we had our own version of her in Sue Johansson. So, uh, speaking of media, and I still, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it's definitely something we're going to talk about on the show today, and I know it's going to be a vivid debate in the months forward. But uh, Google is the latest major corporation to announce that they are going to block Canadian news content from their platforms. This is because Ottawa passed a law, and the law requires that if a web service is going to share links, then they should pay for those links if they're going to use not news content. So, for example, you know, there's an article in the Globe and Mail, which is exclusive to the Globe and Mail. Currently, Google and Facebook and Twitter and other organizations, if they share that content, they get to pocket whatever, you know, clicks that generates and they don't have to pay for it. So the Canadian government has said, no, you're going to have to pay for it. And so Google has joined Meta in saying, fine, we won't share that content. And I won't say I'm agnostic on this file. I will just say I haven't quite figured out what this is all going to look like moving forward. Because I, I have paid subscriptions to the National Post, to the Toronto Star, to the Globe and Mail, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post. I'm, I'm paying for that stuff. So... I don't require that your Aunt Ruthie share an article from the Toronto Star for me to be able to consume it. But I get it. Uh, for young people in particular, anybody under about the age of 30, social media is pretty well their only source of anything. And if it's a legitimate news source, then I guess that's encouraging. Half the time it really just is some moron in Ohio saying this is what I think about climate change. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Yeah, it really is the law that we have to play that this time of year, Nick Marano. I always remember every, every June... When I was going to West Hill High School in Montreal, we would go to Stuart Parnell's house and 
he had a room in his parents' attic with a stereo. Back in the days when people had hi-fis, and uh, he would put on Schools Out Forever and crank it to 11. It's funny reflecting on the sort of unlimited horizon that you had when you were a kid, right? And I guess we, we you don't even appreciate it when it's there. But the school's over. You got the whole summer ahead of you. In my case, I was never a camp person. I know a lot of people went to camp. But, um, you know, my brother and I would go to the pool probably every single day. We'd climb onto our 10 speeds and ride to the pool and hang out all day. Back in the day where, I mean, like, I'm sorry, I, for the last 30 years or so, I put on like number 35 or number 50 sunblock every day, no matter what, winter, summer. Back then, I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we pulled it off. I also don't know what the residual damage may be still, because a lot of us are paying the penalty for a considerable amount of sun exposure when we were kids. Uh, but yeah, we'd hang out at the pool and then we'd climb on the 10 speeds and go home. And yeah, just summer was this completely unstructured adventure. And um, I I have a certain grudging admiration for the way they still conduct themselves in Quebec. For example, you know that Thomas Mulcair, our Monday guy, uh, he normally would be joining us every Monday at uh, 6.50. But Thomas Mulcair has signed on to the Quebecois practice of having taken the summer off. And an awful lot of people do that. They vanish from whatever it is they're doing on Saint-Jean-Baptiste, and they come back on Labor Day. And I think that's actually a pretty healthy exercise. I don't know if I'm going to be able to persuade our managers that maybe we should be doing that here. You can try. We can try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in Quebec, it's uh, it's such a completely different place. <laughs> it's like Steve Martin says, you know, I like French. They have a different word for everything. Um, but yeah, in Quebec, they, the radio shows, all of the radio shows are gone for the summer months. And they bring in replacement people who are celebrities. So, you know, if we were doing that here, it would be like, I'm gone for the whole summer and Jan Arden is going to be hosting more in the morning and, and it works. And, you know, we'll, we'll move off of this particular subject momentarily, but you know, it's a kind of an interesting cultural note. Uh, when I was working in Quebec, um, in French, I got, I got the star treatment. And one of the years when I was uh, working at Azure Canada as a director and on-air personality, uh, it was, what are the, uh, what are these people doing for their summer? And so it was like, well, yeah, I'm going to Laurentians. It's not that exciting. Doesn't matter. There was a picture of John in one of the gossip rags, and I was one of like 10 alleged celebrities where there was enough interest expressed about what we were going to do with our summer months. I always say that on a red carpet in Canada, in English Canada anyway, because they have this incredible star system in Quebec, but in English Canada, instead of yelling, um, who are you wearing, which is what they always yell on a red carpet in the U.S., uh, in Canada, it's who are you? Because it's like, wow, you know, Arsini Kijian, wow, okay, I, I, don't, I do not know who you are. So this is just 
beyond unspeakably sad. And I guess, you know, we're closing in on a degree of justice and closure and whatever else you want to call it by now having identified the remains of a girl who was found in a dumpster in Rosedale. But there are still way too many questions. Hank Insignia of the Homicide Department at Toronto Police Service held a press conference yesterday. And there's still so much we don't know because all he said was that there was a tip from the community and then that led to their ability to do some DNA testing to figure out who this little girl was. Navia was born on May 18th, 2017. As previously stated, we believe that Navia died in 2021. She would have been just shy of her fifth birthday when her body was placed in the dumpster. We have a lot of work to do. We will continue to work closely with our partners to investigate the circumstances leading up to Navia's death and the subsequent disposal of her body. Navia Tucker. And as mentioned, if I'm following the timeline here, that means that she died a year before her body was discovered in a dumpster outside of a building of a house that was being renovated. And then police also said that they had informed her mother. And we can assume nothing here. Except I just like, you know, how is it that a little girl disappears from your life? Even if you're not the non-custodial parent, a little girl vanishes. Then you hear, oh, somebody roughly the same age, a body has been found. It's, uh, yeah, well, whatever, let's just keep moving. Um, there's, there's so much tragedy to, to all of this. And um, I guess maybe one day we'll be able to answer some of these questions. So in the 5.30 headlines, Tiffany Hansby was talking about the fact that Canadians are apparently cool to electric vehicles. This new study found 66% of respondents say they are, quote, very unlikely or somewhat unlikely to consider an electric vehicle the next time they have to buy a car. They won't put me in the other category because I have vowed that my next car and my car comes off lease one year from now uh, will be an electric car. And I have test driven a whole bunch of cars. As a matter of fact, I've, the Audis are incredible. The e-tron from Audi is an astonishing vehicle. One of the things often overlooked when we talk about electric cars is, you know, because some people still consider them to be a toy or an eccentricity. But um, the tele, uh, what is it, Tesla, has been ranked not as the best electric car. It's not by category. It has been ranked two years in a row as the best car. And that is because the engineering of electric cars is sensational. So what is it that is discouraging people? People still have this fear about the charge. And here's the crazy thing. 80% of Canadians drive 50 kilometers or less a day. Now, an electric vehicle is good to, these days, about 350, 400 kilometers. And then how many times do you have to do an extended trip? Well, in our life, twice a year we go to Montreal, once a year we go up to uh, Perry Sound. And so for those occasions, perhaps you stop and charge the car, perhaps you rent 
a gas-powered car or a hybrid. But as somebody once said about the famous GM electric car, which died an ignoble death, they said, GM made the mistake of manufacturing a car that served the needs of 80% of Americans. Okay, time to say happy Friday to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, great to see you. Nice to see you. Happy Friday. Hey, John, good to see you as well. Okay, so let's talk about the situation outside this morning. A special air quality state remaining in place for the GTA, but by this evening, we should be more in the clear. Yeah, we had a bit of uh, relief yesterday, but it looks like the smoke is back today. I can certainly confirm when I stepped outside of my house, it kind of looked like a shot out of the exorcist. The air was a little bit on the thick side. So, uh, you know, people, especially with lung ailments, are going to be adapting to that today, but the situation is expected to improve. Mm -hmm. Improvement is good. And turning to this now, John, police uh, identify a girl whose remains were found in a dumpster last year. A young girl, still no arrests have been made no charges have been laid and they still they have their they say they have their work cut out for them so many unanswered questions we don't even know the cause of death but at least we know who this little girl was and we can start connecting a few dots about what her life was like before she died her name was navia tucker she was just approaching her fifth birthday mm -hmm. when she died but that was a year before her body was found in a dumpster um you know behind a toronto subway station and i you know like I said, there's just so many unanswered questions here. Police say they tracked her down through genealogy and a tip from the community. They informed her mother, and one has to wonder how that went mm -hmm. and how her mother has mm -hmm. spent an entire year without being able to account for this girl. Yeah, it's just, mm -hmm. it's such a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, sad story indeed, and more to come, of course, in the meantime, as the investigation continues. Uh, John, switching to this now, and this is going to be interesting, I wonder if Canadians are still going to turn to Google as much, because Google has now said it is going to start removing news links in Canada. International news sticks around, but Canadian news won't be there. This is going to be a big mm. battle, I think, and certainly the big companies, the big uh, internet companies are gearing up to fight Canada. What the Canadian government wants is for organizations like Google and Facebook to actually pay for the news content that they use and profit from. Um, this has actually played out previously in Australia where ultimately a deal was worked out and some compensation was on the table. So I imagine that's probably going to happen in Canada as well. Mm. Okay, more to come on that. And yeah. this is interesting, John. A poll finds that two-thirds of Canadian drivers are unlikely to buy electric vehicles. This is kind of going against uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's plan to make us an EV nation by 2030. Yeah, Canadian study finding 66% of people who responded to a survey were very unlikely or somewhat unlikely to even consider an electric vehicle. The things that seem to stand in the way are uh, what they call range anxiety. People mm. look at the meter on the dashboard and think, yeesh, we're going to run out of this mm. before I can recharge. Uh, what's interesting is the average Canadian drives less than 50 kilometers a day. And of course, the range of an EV these days is anywhere between 350 kilometers to 500 kilometers mm. so it would actually suit people's needs but people are still reluctant and you know i just have to believe john that unlike remember cell phones used to be the size of a you know cinder block uh and now they you know fit in the palm of your hand and the the, the battery power is great that's all going to come along here so eventually we're going to get there but i suppose in the meantime the concerns continue uh but this one john i love this talker that you've given us a popular <laughs> european destination i'm super curious and i'm running through countries in my head has banned wheel <laughs> 
suitcases. Is this for wheel? What? <laughs> this is in this is in Dubrovnik. The okay. mayor of Dubrovnik wow. has banned people from using wheeled luggage really? in the city's core because the streets are all cobblestone and it's an absolute racket and people oh. are sick and tired of it. So the way it's going to work now is you will arrive in the country should you want to go or in the city if you want to go to Dubrovnik. You would have to to more or less check your luggage and then somebody would bring it to you what? at whatever Airbnb or hotel you decide to install yourself in. But yeah, I have to say, if you have been subjected to the noise of wheeled luggage, mm -hmm. it is somewhat vexatious. Uh, yeah. Especially on the sort of cobblestone For streets, sure. I get that. I was thinking about Lisbon uh, dragging some luggage through there and it's like, shh, shh, shh. It, it is a little bit annoying, I guess, but the, the, the bureaucracy behind this really is kind of like... Unbelievable. Yeah, that's yeah. going to take some logistics to get yeah. people their luggage. <laughs> right. Interesting stuff. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great weekend, John. You we'll too. chat with you next week. Take care, week. John. Isn't it fascinating the cities, the, the, the things that a city can preoccupy itself with? But at the same time, I can understand if you lived in a section of a, a town with cobblestone streets and it was a popular place for tourists and they're constantly dragging their wheeled luggage along, bang, 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 bang. After a while, that would become more than annoying. And in the case, you know, in our house, just somebody speaking softly in the wee hours of the morning can get our dog absolutely out of control. Jumps up on the bed, starts barking out the window. So, yeah, I would imagine that um, the wheeled luggage might be annoying enough that you have to pass some sort of a civic ordinance about it. So, Kevin Donovan writing today in The Star, the son of murdered billionaires Honey and Barry Sherman is donating $52 million to build a premium hockey arena complex north of Toronto in honor of his parents. The Honey and Barry Sherman Memorial Arena will have two NHL-sized hockey rinks at the Joseph and Wolf Lubavik Jewish Campus on Bathurst Street in Vaughan. Uh, construction actually began a few weeks ago, uh, completion date 2025. And as everybody knows now, and uh, Kevin Donovan's appearing in a mini-series about this true crime, which I think is on Crave. I just, I don't know what platform anything's on these days. Somebody will say, have you seen this new show? And it's like, where, where can I see it? What is it gonna take? But yeah, I believe it's on Crave. Um, but here we are coming up on the sixth anniversary this coming December, where Barry and Honey Sherman were strangled to death in their Toronto home, which has since been demolished. And uh, Apotex, which is the company that was created by Barry Sherman, was sold off. And so the Sherman estate was estimated at around $10 billion, and it has been evenly divided amongst the four children. And Kevin, you know, has been on this case since the day that those bodies were discovered. And he writes about the fact that there is considerable fractiousness in the family of the uh, four children, the four Sherman children. And they disagree about an awful lot of things. And then one of them, for example, I mean, so you get a $10 billion estate. So everybody got $250 million, I guess, or... Uh, 10 billion, no, considerably more than that, uh, $2.5 billion. Okay, thanks, yes, math was never my strong suit. 
Uh, so each of the kids getting $2.5 billion. And one of them is like this sort of public health nurse, you know, um, has always been in, in public service. But the son has decided $52 million will go toward the construction of this hockey arena. Time is just coming up to 5.58, so you know what? Enough time to let you know. I think that it's Deb Hutton on patrol this morning, on a Friday morning. Deb Hutton is going to offer her perspective on the day's big stories. I'll be interested because Deb's got a big heart, and also she's a mom. And so I'm sure she has some thoughts about how Toronto homicide detectives, even though we don't know if it's a homicide, have finally identified the body of a girl who was just dumped in a dumpster a little bit more than a year ago. And I still can't figure out how a five-year-old goes missing and nobody notices. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.